I love the diversity in the kingdom of God. Would you bow your heart with me, please, as I lead you in a word of prayer? Father, I pray that today that you touch each heart in such a unique way that each person will know literally that you're ministering to them through this word. I ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. I began a brand new series a couple of weeks ago titled Renewing Your Mind. And I want to continue in that vein today as I deal with the topic, how to deal with loneliness. When you renew your mind, it means you're thinking differently. And would your quality of life improve if you were able to successfully, effectively tackle loneliness? In fact, America is facing a huge epidemic of loneliness. This is not ordinary loneliness. This is where you're regularly feeling lonely, a deep sense of emotional disconnectedness from people. Research shows that 36% of Americans suffer from chronic loneliness. Approximately 43% of our seniors experience severe loneliness, this sense of isolation. This epidemic is most severe among young adults. 61% suffer from loneliness and an inability to connect. I want you to understand that this is a major epidemic. And the Bible is not silent on the topic of loneliness. In fact, before I invite you to go with me to Matthew chapter 11, I want you to understand the problem of loneliness in a deeper, fuller way. So when we look at it through the lens of sacred scripture, we can see God's heart to help us deal with loneliness and be victorious in that area. But the loneliness epidemic, it impacts our health in significant ways. There's a 30% increased risk in early death. You know why humans, we're not meant to live isolated, emotionally disconnected from one another. Research shows that severe loneliness impacts your health in, in a way that's equivalent to you smoking 15 cigarettes every day. Could you imagine the same medical and health impact on your life because of chronic, severe, extended loneliness, just like you smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I mean, it's astounding. Loneliness is a major impact. It has a major impact on our health. When we think about it, you're 64% more likely to develop dementia because of loneliness. And here's what shocks me. Surprisingly, 92% of people find it difficult to tell others that they're suffering from chronic loneliness. As I teach on this topic today, I want you to be very honest with yourself. If you are someone dealing with loneliness, chronic loneliness, the severe emotional sense of disconnectedness and isolation, I want you to open your heart and allow the answers from sacred scripture and the actions that I'll outline that you can take, that you would courageously pursue them. You know why? It's not the will of God that you live a life of chronic loneliness. Here's what Dr. Stephanie Cassiopo, a professor of psychiatry and behavioral neuroscience at the University of Chicago says, the misery and suffering caused by chronic loneliness are very real and warrant attention. As a social species, we're accountable to help our lonely children, parents, 
neighbors, and even strangers in the same way we would treat ourselves. Treating loneliness is our collective responsibility. I believe I framed the problem. There is an epidemic in our nation. And this epidemic has been exacerbated due to COVID. The epidemic predated COVID, but now it's even worse. What does the Bible have to say about this? Matthew 11 and verse 28, I want you to see how Jesus weighs in to the conversation and provides answers for us. Let's take a look. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus was speaking to a primarily an agrarian audience. They understood a yoke. A yoke was this wooden implement that would be placed over the neck of two oxen. And so imagine one on the left, one on the right, and, there, and the yoke, this wooden implement, is, it's straight, it has a curve, the neck goes in, on the bottom it's straight, has a curve, and, and it's yoked together so these two oxen may plow the field in unison. Jesus says, when you take my yoke upon you, my message, my method of lifestyle, my worldview, my perspective, you'll find that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he tells us, come to me if you're burdened. If you're burdened with the pain and the weight of loneliness, Jesus says, come to me. In other words, I'm not going to reject you. I'm very sympathetic to where you are and how you feel and this pain that you're struggling with. Let me use my message to set you free so that you can be able to live your life in a flourishing, thriving way without feeling as if you're carrying around this huge, uncomfortable, unbearable burden of loneliness. So let's understand how do we deal with loneliness. May I suggest to you the first answer to the question of how to deal with loneliness is this, take notice. Take notice that there's a huge difference between being lonely and being alone. Many people get it mixed up, and as a result of their inability to distinguish the two, they equate the two, and they find themselves suffering because of an improper definition. Here's what the Scripture says about being alone, an example of it. Mark 1, verse 35. Very early the next morning before daylight... Jesus got up and went to a place where he could be alone and pray. I want you to see our master sought to be alone. He intentionally, volitionally woke up early. While everybody else was asleep in the house, he tiptoes through the house, goes outside, and he finds a place where he could be alone. He can have time of solitude. Why? One reason, the scripture says, he wanted to pray without being distracted, without feeling the, this pressure or this obligation to answer people's questions, to engage in conversation. Jesus wanted to have alone time with God. Being alone is not bad. 
Being alone when you recognize the value of it and your peace with you. You enjoy you. You know how to be comfortable with you. You're comfortable in your own skin. When you recognize that maturity, spiritual maturity, is that you are not struggling when you're alone. Why? Because you enjoy you. Do you enjoy you? I know it sounds like a weird question, but do you like yourself? Because if you don't like yourself, you're going to struggle when you're alone. And you're going to think that being alone is equivalent to being lonely. It's not. Jesus, he was comfortable with himself and he spent time alone. Lindsey Vaughn, who's the world's most decorated skier, to her credit are 82 World Cup wins, three Olympic medals, and 20 World Cup titles. I mean, amazing. As a former professional skier and swimsuit model, she's wealthy, famous, attractive, popular. She has everything going on for herself. But yet, she suffers from depression and struggles with loneliness. In a recent interview with People magazine, she opens up and tells us, After the race has ended, I'd go back to my empty hotel room, and the silence would be deafening. I always felt that being alone was the hardest part for me. See, she mixed it up. She equated being lonely with being alone, being alone with being lonely. And as a result, it helped to further create depression and these depressive kinds of symptoms in her life. I want you to recognize there's a huge difference between the two. The difference when you think about being alone versus being lonely, we see it. Being lonely is an emotional state which has to do with your interior thoughts. Being alone is a physical state which has to do with your exterior reality. Being lonely is a lack of human connection, but being alone is a lack of human company. There's no one around. Jesus didn't struggle with being alone. Being lonely describes a gnawing feeling. It has to do with you feeling unsettled and incomplete. Being alone describes a setting. It has to do with your physical surroundings. I want you to recognize to overcome loneliness, you got to take notice of this difference. Being lonely describes the feeling that something is missing. It signals the thought, I'm incomplete. Being alone says, nothing is missing. I'm not struggling with feeling incomplete. When you take notice that there's a big difference between being lonely and being alone, you're able to then come to a place where you're inching up, so to speak, out of the hole that loneliness creates. You're able to deal with the issue of loneliness. I remember years ago, I, I, was, I was in school and I was in class and after class, it was about three, four o'clock in the afternoon and I was really hungry. And so I decided to go to a nearby restaurant and just grab a bite to eat. So I took one of the file folders that I had. I'd keep some notes and distinguished class and homework assignment, all kinds of stuff. I had it in a file folder. I walked in the restaurant and the restaurant was practically empty. I guess the time of day, it's an odd time of day. And I sat there, waitress came over, took my order. I took the folder out of my bag, opened it up, started working while my food was being prepared. And then 
the waitress came back, and this time you can see she was a little bit nervous around me. I'm wondering what happened. She said, sir, are you a food critic? I said, no, I'm not a food critic. I just came for a meal. She didn't believe me. So the boss, he sent out all these special dishes, all these sumptuous things. I'm sitting there by myself dining, but in their mind, when someone comes in alone with a file folder, they must be, they're not doing their own personal work. They must be here to critique the restaurant. And so I got a whole lot of free food that day. I don't think I needed it, but I got it because they couldn't distinguish with being alone versus being a food critic. And I know that sometimes we get things mixed up, but thankfully I'm not a food critic. I can criticize food, but I'm not a food critic, but I enjoyed my meal that day and more than what I bargained for and more than what I paid for. But when I think about it, how do you deal with loneliness? You take notice that there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. Now, I don't want to simplify the problem because I also want to bring you to this point, and that is to deal with loneliness, you must take action. And when you take action, you're recognizing that this is a very complex problem. I don't want to act like it's simplistic. And I don't want to minimize it, because if you're hurting, you're hurting. And if you're struggling with loneliness, you're struggling. And I'm not going to minimize that, or sweep it under the rug, or trivialize it, and just throw some Bible verses at it, and let you think that that's all you need to do. That is not what you need to do. And I want you to recognize that being, an, someone's being lonely and struggling with that is not an indictment against your character. It is not even an indictment against your level of spiritual maturity. I want you to recognize even Bible characters struggled with it. In fact, may I take you to the life of David. In Psalm 25 and verse 16, David sings of his struggle with loneliness. He says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. David recognized that his loneliness had an impact on him. This is not the normal, regular loneliness that all of us feels time, you know, every now and again. We always say, well, you know, I'm lonely. I turn on the TV, I'll call a friend. I'm not talking about that kind of normative, run-of-the-mill struggle. I'm talking about chronic struggling of loneliness, chronic loneliness. And David was admitting, my loneliness has caused me to be afflicted. And so he's dealing with chronic loneliness. You may ask, what exactly is chronic loneliness? Chronic loneliness, it's an inability to connect on an emotional level. Many times, senior level leaders, we suffer from chronic loneliness because our problems are out of the ordinary. They're not normative. They're big-sized problems because we have big-sized roles. Or sometimes senior level leaders... You can't confide in people because they don't know how to be individuals that are careful with your information. And so they just go and blab their mouths. And so a lot of senior level leaders, if you don't have confidence in your life, you may find yourself struggling with that. And if you're a senior level leader and you're watching me now, thank you for admitting to yourself and to God, if this is your struggle, may I suggest to you, find a few intimate friends that you can share with and be open with. And if you can't, find a therapist that you can confide in. And when you do that, you'll find yourself coming out of this hole that chronic loneliness creates. What exactly is chronic loneliness? Chronic loneliness is when you have no close friends. 
You know, there's no confidant. There's no amigo. There's no friends. Chronic loneliness is feeling that no one gets me. No one really understands me on a deep emotional level. Chronic loneliness is feeling isolated, both relationally and emotionally. What is chronic loneliness? Chronic loneliness results in you feeling a lack of self-worth. You feel that way because you feel as if, if there's nobody wants to spend time with me, meaningful time, what's wrong with me? Chronic loneliness is defined as you're being tired of trying to engage. And so I want you to realize it's a very complex problem, this chronic loneliness. And some people get to the place where, you know, I'm tired of trying. I reached out to this person, they don't reciprocate. I reach out to that person, they don't respond. I reach out to a third person, they don't, you know, it's surface level conversations. And there's this sense of chronic loneliness. I feel for you. But now I want to give you some biblical answers. And again, I want to pull from David's life. David took action. And the way he took action is by seeking God in prayer. Don't minimize the value of prayer. And don't minimize the value of God walking with you and wanting you to walk with Him. So prayer is seen as a soul rising up from the earth to heaven to fellowship with Almighty God. And David took action when he said in Scripture that he turned, he said, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. In essence, he's saying to God, God, would you turn to me? Consider this when you deal with prayer as an action step to combat and overcome loneliness. Consider Jacob's ladder. Prayer is climbing Jacob's ladder and leaving at the foot of the ladder all of your woes. Consider this when you think about prayer. Prayer is jumping on Elijah's chariot and recognizing that your burden of loneliness can't fit in and the chariot whisks you into fellowship and connection with God. I want you to see taking action to deal with loneliness requires and calls for prayer. Let me ask you this question. You need to ask yourself this question. What am I doing to encourage loneliness in my life? What are you doing to encourage it? In other words, are you building bridges or barriers to overcoming loneliness? A bridge is built when you ask questions. You ask your colleagues questions. Questions how are you doing? How's your family? How's your child? You know, what school's your kid going to? What's his experience? Show that you are concerned. Because when you start to ask these kinds of questions, you'll find that there's a reciprocation and a rapport. And over time, you're building bridges out of your hole of loneliness into a place of deeper intimacy and connectedness with someone else. But you have to be equally careful because when you build barriers is when you show a disinterest in others. There are no questions. You focus just on the job, just business, and you could care less about a person's personal life. I want you to be very mindful of that. In fact, one of the reasons why loneliness is such a huge epidemic among young adults is because social media and even technology, smartphones, they exacerbate loneliness. Studies, it shows the alarming information. Watch one study showed that when they compared people, that when they sit down at a meal, 
You went to hang out with your friends. First thing you do, put your cell phone on the table. The fact that your cell phone's on the table, it causes a measure of disconnectedness between you and those who are there in the moment because you're waiting for another opportunity, a different opportunity, maybe a preferred opportunity that may take place, maybe a social media post, or maybe someone sends you an email, someone sends you a text, and you're not as engaged with the people that you're eating a meal with, and as a consequence, you're not being fulfilled in the way that you want to be fulfilled. My point is that if we're not careful, an excessive use of social media, it causes you to become more disconnected relationally. You may have 5 million Facebook friends. You may have a whole lot of individuals following you on Twitter and Instagram. But that is not the basis of what fills up loneliness. These social media friends and posts and connectedness, you may seem like you're really, really connected on social media, but the issue is you're disconnected in real life when it comes to meaningful, substantive relationships. Remember, chronic loneliness is, loneliness is an emotional disconnectedness that no one gets a chance to get you no real close friends. A Facebook friend is not a real close friend. Someone that you can tell your secrets with and talk to in a very vulnerable way. That's what the human heart cries for. May I suggest to you, build bridges by reducing your social media time. Build bridges by, but when you go and sit down at a meal with someone, put the phone in your pocket. Don't look at it. Or better yet, leave it in the car. And when you do so, you then are able to dial in and find yourself growing in one-on-one -on -one or personal relationships with those you're eating a meal with. May I humbly recommend that you do that. Take action. Psalm 68, verse 6. This is the action that David took to build these kinds of bridges. Scripture says, you find families for those who are lonely. So David recognized that God actually searches out for potential families, communities that you can connect with, and he finds them for you and then connects you with someone else, with a group. That's why our church has over 100 small groups, life groups, life activity groups, touch groups, groups that you can connect with, that can have conversation, both in person and because of the COVID pandemic, online, virtual kinds of communities. But I want you to see, you got to go out of your way, take action. No one's going to ring your doorbell and say, hey, would you like to be a part of my community and be a part of my family and be a part of my small group? It doesn't work that way. What has to take place is you have to intentionally, volitionally take the step to engage and realize in God's wisdom, He already created opportunities because he wants to set the lonely in families. He's already created a family for you. Your job is to find them out. And when you do, you're going to experience what Gretchen Rubin, an American author and blogger, writes. Keep in mind that to avoid loneliness, many people need both a social circle and an intimate attachment. Having just one of two may still leave you feeling lonely. It's not good enough for you to just join a small group. You got to now create friendships, deep emotional attachment in these small groups to feel a sense of belonging and family. 
What I've taught already is this. To deal with loneliness, take notice. Take action. And now I conclude, take comfort. Since God is our creator, he's very sympathetic towards our emotional needs. Even the, even the ones that may seem so non-spiritual, like loneliness. Again, I want to pull on David because King David, he dealt with loneliness, as I mentioned. And he also understood how to get answers to bring him out of the hole that chronic loneliness creates. Here's how David took comfort. Psalm 142, verse 5 says, Look and see, there's no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Talking about confessional and comfort. Most scholars agree that this time in David's life was when King Saul was trying to kill him. And David was in the cave of Adullam, isolated, lonely, abandoned, rejected. David said, there's no one on my right hand. The historical framework in Jewish thought and culture suggests that the ones on the right hand are your champions. David was saying, God, I have no champion on my right to help me fight this crazy king that's trying to kill me. So David is isolated. But I was, I'm so thankful that rather than wallowing in the quagmire of self-pity, David leans into God and recognizes that one of the nature, one of the aspects of God's nature and his character and essence is that he's a relational God. God gives comfort to those who cre he creates. He fellowships with us. He comes alongside of us in our pain. And David, rather than wallowing again, as I mentioned, in this quicksand of self-pity, David looks to divine, the, the, the divine creator for the creator to be his friend, his confidant, his comfort. And that's why I'm saying to you, take comfort. David's not the only one who did that and notices that about God. Isaiah, the singing prophet, says in Isaiah 43, verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I, God, will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This prophet of God was saying, to the populist Israel, God doesn't abandon you when you're in the fire, the flood, the waters. God's with you in all of the murkiness and the twists and the bumps and the turns in the road of life that, that can become so problematic and unpredictable. Paul testifies to the same fact that God comforts us when we struggle with loneliness. In 2 Timothy 4 verse 16, the apostle says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Paul was not spiritualizing and making this 
ethereal, esoteric relationship with God, he actually noticed that he grew in strength, ability, might. In other words, his loneliness gap was filled up. How so? By God. And Paul says that God gave me strength. How does God give strength? He gives you strength when he allows you to discover your purpose. You become fascinated about doing something, fascinated about bringing a change in society. That's God giving you strength. How do you discover when God gives you strength? How do you take notice of it? When you find yourself praying for someone who's unsaved and you're asking God to open up their their eyes that they may see the blindness of their souls and recognize that Christ is indeed the light of the world, that's God giving you strength. How are you gaining strength and comfort from God? How does he do that? He does that when you find yourself having a creative idea that unlocks an answer to a problem that you've been struggling with for months. That's God giving you strength. And the Apostle Paul tells us that he took strength in what God gave him. May I say to you, how do you deal with comfort? You take notice, you take action, and you take comfort. Have you heard of Brian Philip Welch? He's the co-founder and former guitarist of the heavy metal group Korn. In the video campaign, I Am Second, Brian shares his conversion story in 2012. He used to be an addict to drugs and alcohol. He was involved in all kinds of wild, lewd sexual parties and orgies. And Brian would said once, you travel, you get to another town, you play a show, and you do it again. You try to just be at peace. But even a big, huge band like Korn playing in front of thousands of people, it can get lonely. You can't connect with people except for the ones that you're with because the ones you party with after the show, you don't know them. And then you're gone. Brian was so far away from God. God wasn't even on his radar. And it just so happened, a realtor who was showing Brian a piece of property said this to him, that I can't shake it. This may sound weird to you, but I just had this verse on my heart for you for a while. Matthew 11, verse 28. Brian looked it up and began to study the meaning of each word. This is the verse, you remember, that I started my sermon off with. That is, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Brian was that, weary, burdened. Later, the realtor invited Brian to church, and he went and he heard the gospel. At home, while about to do some cocaine, Brian said, God, if you're real like the preacher said, help me. In essence, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus was calling Brian, and Brian heard him. And Brian gave his life to Christ, and later became water baptized. I want you to see if Jesus can get involved with helping someone like Brian Philip Welch that seems so far away from God to help Brian fill his loneliness, his chronic loneliness, though famous, though popular, and set him free from his experience of being someone so far removed and save him, God can do the same thing for you, for anybody like he's done for me. 
And today, I want to pray with you about your chronic loneliness. But before I do, I want to pray with each of you that have never before invited Christ into your life. May I offer you the same solution that Brian Philip Welch used, Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Would you bow your heart with me, please, right where you are, and pray with me this simple prayer. Lord, set me free. I need your rest. Take my heavy burdens. Bring me peace. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. I ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. Congratulations. That's a heavy weight lifted off your shoulders. Please follow the prompting on the screen so we can help anchor you in this decision. Like Brian got water baptized to affirm his faith. There's a water baptism experience that you need as well. Help us to help you become this fully devoted follower of Jesus. I mentioned I wanted to pray with everyone that's struggling with chronic loneliness. Here's my prayer for you today. Father, I ask you right now that each person that struggled and is struggling with chronic loneliness, that you free them right now. Set them into families. Lord, set them into a group where they can connect emotionally and relationally with others, where people will get them, where they'll find this deep sense of belonging. I ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Amen. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share this message with you today. Have a great week in the Lord.